Welcome back. We are in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. We're looking at the throne room of heaven. Okay, so the first three chapters are behind us now. We are into the part of the outline that we were told about in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Section C is what we call it. And this is looking at the future things. This is looking at the tribulation and beyond. So... We won't see, and I don't think I completed my sentence fully yesterday when I said, you won't see the church again on earth, the rest of Revelation. You'll see the church in heaven, but you won't see the church on earth. And the reason is because the church was just raptured. So we're looking forward. I'm not talking about present time. I mean, of course, when you hear this, it could have already happened. But this is looking into the future when the rapture occurs. That could occur one second from now, one year from now, 100 years from now. We don't know. He doesn't tell us the exact time. But that rapture, to lay out the outline of Revelation again, so you've got the church age, which began with Pentecost and will end, has not ended yet, will end with the rapture. That will be the completion of the church. That means every believer in Jesus who truly dedicated their lives and had salvation because Jesus atoned for their sins and they accepted that. They individually accepted that universal offer and their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is who comprises the church. They will be raptured. They, those who are alive on the earth at that time will not die in the sense that we think about death. They'll just go up into the... Uh, sky and the heavens with Jesus at that point in time, straight there. And then they'll be in heaven with Jesus. They'll be, be the bride of Christ. So Jesus is the groom. We, the church, are the bride. He is the head. We are the body. You're seeing all these different things coming together. It's why we have marriage. It's representative of that relationship between Jesus and the church. It's the respect and the roles and men and women aren't, uh, they're, they're equal, they just have different roles. And so we'll get into this and look a little bit more uh, at some verses that talk about the rapture. So 1 Corinthians 15.51 Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. First Thessalonians 4.13 But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together, caught up, caught up, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that's where we get the word rapture, and that's why we commonly refer to it. And 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So he did not appoint us to wrath. Well, 
the tribulation, that seven-year period, is has a lot of wrath of God involved in it, and he didn't appoint us to that. So he's going to take the church away from that. Revelation 3.10, which we studied a few days ago, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The hour of trial the, is the uh, tribulation. So he's going to keep us out of, that word from means out of, out of the hour of trial, from the hour of trial. So you put all those together and it's very easy to see the rapture. Those who believe in Jesus but have already what we would call died that are in the grave will rise. They'll go up into the clouds with Jesus. Then we who are living, that may be me, or maybe I already you know, stopped breathing and I'm in the grave or cremated or whatever the case may be. And Jesus takes those people who are then living up with him into heaven. And that is the rapture. And it is biblical. We just went through the verses that speak to it most highly. And he's also going to keep us from the hour of trial, which is the tribulation. So, bam, there you have it, the rapture. Now... We're going to start getting into looking for the tribulation. So after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Notice he starts the verse and ends the verse basically in the same fashion. He starts it by saying, After these things. And he ends it, ends it by saying, After this. So after these things, after this. He's telling us to pay attention. He just said it twice and repeated himself. So after what things? Well, after the church age, after the letter to the seven churches, after the different types of churches and denominations and false teachers and finch straddlers and lukewarmers and uh, idolaters and all that stuff, but the church being raptured after these things. That's what he's saying right there. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. Well, what does door mean? Let's look at John 10, 9. I am the door, says Jesus. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the door. So right here, he's saying that door, it's standing open. It's open for those who want to come to Christ. It is a universal offer. How do we know this? Because we know that he says he wishes that uh, none shall perish, but that all should come to repentance. Will all come to repentance? No. Does everybody need to come to repentance if they want to go to heaven? Yes. How do we know that? Because he says there's no one good but God. Rephrase that. There's no one righteous but God. There's no one perfect but God. And the only way we can get that perfection and goodness and godliness and holiness is through Christ, the atonement, the work that he did for us on the cross. So again, it says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Well, what's trumpet? We just read about that in First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. That's Jesus. And he, it says, like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will we'll show you the things which must take place after this. This coincidentally, uh, let's look at that word come. I, I love that word. 
um, and look at it in Matthew eleven twenty eight. One of the sweetest verses in the Bible. Um, well, actually, it's a different one, but uh, come to me when he calls all the children to him. Come to me, all you children. In Matthew twenty eight, he says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a verse that I have to tell, remind myself of all the time when I get stressed, worried, anxious. I just look to God and say, okay, God, this is not your design for me. This is not your ideal. This is not what you want. You want me to have that peace and joy. So Lord, help me come to you. Make me to lie down in green pastures. Lead me beside still water. I know that your burden is light, Lord. So I'm burdening myself with all this stuff that's saddling my mind with these thoughts and this stress. So let's think about that when he's saying, come up here. He's calling us like a loving father, an absolutely loving person saying, I know what's best for you. Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. He wants to teach us things. He wants to tell us things. Again, are we hearing? Or are you hearing and not listening? Make sure to listen to God's Word, to what He's saying to you in the Bible, through your prayer, through your conscience, in so many different ways. And verse 2 says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So normally I don't read in big chunks like that, but I think it all kind of flows together. So we'll start breaking it down in verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, so he was so caught up into the things of God, and I think we know that God was taking him. This is in the uh, past tense and, and also speaking of the future, but showing him the things of heaven after the rapture of the church. And remember there's... The Trinity, there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and there are three persons in one Godhead, co-equal or equal, but with different roles. Notice the throne, it says, set in heaven. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was portable, it was moved around. But here, Jesus is wanting us to see that it is set, it is not moving again. This is the center of the universe. Yes, God is everywhere, but He's also right there in the throne in heaven around the angelic beings, around the the Christ followers, the ones who accepted Christ. So it's permanent. It's not going anywhere. And it's in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So this is God on the throne. And I'll hit part of verse 3, and then we'll pick up tomorrow. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. So the high priest's breastplates in the Old Testament, they had jasper on it, which represented the person Reuben, which was Jacob's firstborn, his oldest child. And Sardius was the other stone that they had on the breastplate. And it represented Benjamin, who was Jacob's lastborn, his youngest child. 
So think of the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. God told us about that repeatedly in the opening chapters of Revelation, that He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, which are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And Jasper was clear, and it speaks of light, and we know that God is light. How do we know that? John 1.5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And remember that God is never in the dark. He knows everything. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're afraid about right now, God knows, and He also knows the outcome. So trust him with that. Lean into him. Trust him with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the sardius stone was most likely a ruby, which was a ruby is the color red, and it's reflective of Jesus' atonement of our sins on the cross because his crimson blood was required, because blood is required for the remission of sin. And what better blood could there be in the entire universe than the blood of an innocent, sinless person who was also God, fully man and fully God. Lord, help these truths to sink into us as we get into studying the tribulation, knowing that if we are in Christ, we will not go through the tribulation. There will be people who come to the Christ during the tribulation, but why wait? Why have to go through that horrible period? And there's purpose. If anybody's heart is hardened thinking, oh, God is mean and he would a true loving God would not do this to people, we're going to study your character more and, and reveal what that means, um, why you do the things that you do, and anything else you'll explain to us in heaven, Lord. We have finite minds. You have an infinite mind. You can't explain everything to us because we couldn't possibly comprehend it or hold it. We try to idolize ourselves and make ourselves gods with our wealth, power, success, money, position, looks, uh, physique, workout, whatever it is, Lord, but Help us to work out for you, to flex our spiritual muscles by praying, by reading the word, by studying, by teaching others, Lord. In your amazing name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the word of God. Have a blessed day.